Dr. Joseph Schmidt has been a major general in the Air Force Reserves, and he's been an aquanaut. He's currently a NASA flight surgeon, and in October 2021, life imitated Star Trek when he became one of the first holographic doctors to visit the International Space Station. He's here to tell us that story and to talk about the future of the technology. I'm T. Rick Jones, and this is your Daily Star Trek News. Hey, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Dr. Schmidt. How are you? It's very nice to meet you virtually. It's great to meet you virtually as well. That's how everybody's meeting these days, isn't it? <laughs> I agree. And I can't <laughs> thank you enough for reaching out to me from the Star Trek, Star Trek community. Well, thank you very much because this is this is great. I mean, I've, as a Star Trek fan, I've always been interested in space and everything that goes on in space. And to get to actually talk to a NASA flight surgeon is pretty cool. <laughs> well, that's it's how I got interested in space originally. I was four years old when they landed on the moon. I'm that old, but I still remember my mother woke me up to see it. And then I recall sitting in my grandmother's kitchen, just drawing the, you know, the orbital plan for the Apollo missions. And then I was hooked on Star Trek. And that's how I kept this interest in space when, since I was a kid, was watching the original Star Trek series. That's amazing. So is that your favorite series? Do you have a favorite series? I think, the well, those are what I grew up on is watching the original Star Trek series. And then, of course, all the Star Wars movies and, sure. and the new generation and, uh -huh. and all the offshoots of all the Star Wars uh, programs have been fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I grew up watching TOS as well. So uh, so that and Next Generation are my favorites. I was still a kid when Next Generation came on. So, uh, um, so yeah, that's great. So how, before we talk about, because obviously we're here to talk about the hollow projection program, but before we do that, how does one get to become a flight surgeon for NASA? Yes, uh, so a flight surgeon for NASA, you have to go to medical school, of course, to become a physician, uh -huh. and then you can do a residency in whatever you choose. Uh, half of us are primary care, half of us about our emergency medicine. There have okay. been an occasional uh, psychiatrist yeah. and then also a surgeon or two, neurologists. And so you can go into almost whichever you want, but then we take an additional uh, residency in aerospace medicine. And currently there are a couple of places you can do an aerospace medicine residency in the US. One is at the University of Texas Medical Branch at Galveston. That's a full residency. And then there's also a new program, I believe up at the Mayo Clinic and they do a fellowship. Oh, uh, cool. And so they, they also have that we've gotten a recent hire from them as well. So for me personally, I did, wasn't interested. I didn't have any idea what aerospace medicine was until I went to a short course in the summertime. And there was a guy who said, hey, there's a way you can put aviation and uh, medicine together uh, it's called aerospace medicine. I said, oh, that's kind of neat because I always wanted to be a pilot. And then, then I was remembering back my interest in space, of course. And then he said, by the way, when you sign on the dotted line that they're healthy to fly as a physician, which is a flight surgeon, what they do sure. is they'll t they have to take you flying with them. And I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And then the guy said, there's a group of them that does it down at, at the Johnson Space Center. I knew exactly where I wanted to go. So <laughs> That's how I got into it. And I went through the Air Force to get my flight surgeon wings. About half of us were military previously, and then half of us are civilian. 
the, that UTMB program actually sends people to the Air Force to get their flight surgeon wings. So you can go either way. You can go oh, as a wow. civilian or you can go as a, in the military. So uh, both ways are good. That's cool. That's great. Um, so uh, moving on to the actual reason we're here, which is the hollow projection program. So, or hollow portation, I guess you call it, right? Hollow portation. Um, so how long, I know it's a Microsoft, it's a Microsoft uh, technology. Um, how long did it take to develop? Were you involved in the very beginning or did they invite you? How did you get involved in the program? Yes, I think I've, I've read that uh, hollow portation or now they're calling it hollow, uh, hologram uh, teleportation or something oh, okay. like that. Everybody's using different terms. Anyway, hollow portation has been around at least since 2016 with the HoloLens with Microsoft. Oh, okay. And prior to that, yeah, I think it's even been since the 1960s that people have been doing these heads-up display, sure. but never in the, in the level of hollow portation where you can actually take a person's uh, live video and put it somewhere in the room, and then you can move around and look at that video and interact with it. Um, and so, no, I was not involved with the HoloLens uh, effort. Microsoft came up with that, like I mentioned, in 2016. I think they acquired a company that was doing that. And then they sent actually the HoloLens up, I think it was in 2018 or 19, when Scott Kelly's one-year mission was on board. A bunch of NASA guys and gals had to sign non-disclosure agreements. So they sent the HoloLens up there and they used that HoloLens to interact. And then it sat, sat dormant for a long time on board the space station. So long story short, Fernando de la Peña Laca, he's a PhD, he's also an aerospace engineer in Exa software. He and I were working on a project with the Aquarius undersea habitat, and we did augmented reality with a crew member down there to actually do a, a surgical, emergency surgical procedure. And we did it from here in Houston, and we instructed her with tele, telementoring using the HoloLens and augmented reality of how to do an emergency surgical procedure called attention pneumothorax uh, in a uh, needle thoracotomy. Anyway, long story short is when we finished that and we did it successfully, Fernando said, hey, there's this other thing that we're trying to do with holoportation where we can actually place live video of a person and really put them in another place like a hologram. Are you interested in that? I said, not only am I interested in that, we need to take that to the space station. And that's what we decided right then and there is to take it to the space station. And we did it without any uh, significant support from anyone else other than uh, Dr. De La Pena's Laca's um, AXA software. And of course, we had the HoloLens on board. Um, and we were able to take it out of its dormant state to use it for holoportation. Uh, there were some other people that were using it for what's called um, remote guidance. And so they were using augmented reality to work on different structures. So, so example, the, the, uh, the treadmill, they were showing people how to to work on the treadmill by placing augmented reality spots. But that was the first time anybody had actually ever been hologrammed to the space station uh, back in October of last year, 2021. Wow, that's that's incredible. That's really cool. Um, so it, describe the process uh, from your point of view for me. You know, what do you, do you, what kind of room are you in? How does it, what does it look like? Just try to ex explain what it's like. Yes. So it's really a lot of fun because you can put this equipment in a backpack. <clears throat> and so 
on one end, there's a person with a Kinect camera. They're looking at a Kinect camera, and the Kinect camera is actually taking a three-dimensional scan of that person, uh, putting video with it. Then it goes through a local area network to a computer, and that computer then takes that image and puts it through the network to the HoloLens. So another person's wearing the HoloLens, and it has little screens that will come down like a heads-up display. And you use that HoloLens and you can see out into your room, everything normally. And then a person appears to you like almost like a image or a hologram in front of you. And you can place that image anywhere in that room. The neat thing is that that person can now talk with you live and you can walk around the room and that person remains in the same location. And the other neat thing is that you can walk away from that position in three minutes, that person will still be there. You can shut the system down and bring it up three weeks later. And that person, if they're standing in front of the Kinect camera will be in that same position again. It's simply amazing. And you really feel like the person is there in front of you. That's the experience. Yeah, can you walk around the person? Like, is it a three-dimensional image? Yes, and so you can walk around the person uh, 180 degrees. If you have a second camera, pointing from behind them, then you can actually see them in three dimensions. That's, That's the cool. big difference between the, um, you'll see on the, on the web with Microsoft is they have a great uh, uh, demonstration where they have just incredible images and you know, uh, uh, great uh, video. And they have literally tens of cameras that are pointing at that person with, um, with a lot of bandwidth. I think they have 600 or 700 bandwidth. Wow. In our case, we were very limited. We could only take one camera and then we had only five megabytes of bandwidth to be able to run this. Um, because the space station has a very uh, small amount of bandwidth that they, they can actually use. And so we had to you know, stay within that bandwidth, Rick. Yeah, wow. Is there, are there any uh, blind spots? Um, like, are there times or places where you can't reach them? Yes. The, so occasionally the, the uh, space station will go through areas where the uh, tracking and data relay satellites, they lose contact with the space station. Those are called LOS, is a loss of signal. And so during those periods of time, the signals, um, at least the video is lost and any high rate transmission of data is lost. And so that's the other challenge is that periodically the the, the uh, HoloLens and the Holo Wizard software has to make a reconnection. But so far, uh, actually since then, we've been able to make it so that the software reconnects again. Oh, great. Um, and then the other thing I'll tell you, Rick, as well, is that was one-way holoportation. And during the one-way holoportation, I knew I was connected to the, the uh, astronaut on board because uh, Thomas Pesquet, who is the European astronaut, he said, I knew we were connected when he said, whoa. He was really <laughs> shocked, like, whoa, that's something. And you know, astronauts are, they're impressed, but they're not easily impressed. <laughs> so, uh, so we had a lot of fun interacting because he moved me around the space station. Sometimes I was above him, sometimes I was to the side. He actually, because we were having some audio issues, he went into his sleep station and he put the image on the other side of the wall. And so you could see me on the other side of the wall of his sleep station. And I have an idea that I'll tell your readers, 
one of the ideas is I want to one of the next uh, one of the next sort of holoportation sessions. I want to be outside the space station talking in, perhaps knocking on the windows. Hey guys, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And then the second thing, if I may, Rick. So yeah. we use that same team to do two-way holoportation. This was with the spaceflight participant on the Axiom One mission. This is one of the the uh, private astronauts, and they sent up a, a camera to him on board, and so we did two-way holoportation. So not only could the crew member see us on the ground, but also the, we could see the crew member. And so I'll never forget this. I was in mission control and his image of, was right there in front of me in mission control and the space station racks, the equipment racks also were present. And I was in the mission control area and I felt like I was looking into the future, into a portal real time with a, a person that was on the space station, 17,500 miles an hour above, uh, flying 200 nautical miles above us. And I think they were over Australia somewhere. But when I was looking into that, it was truly a Star Trek moment. I felt like I was looking into the future and it was the 23rd century, like Star Trek, I think is. <laughs> I felt like I was looking into a portal into the 23rd century. That's incredible. Oh, I would love to be in your shoes. <laughs> well, and that's what we're trying to do is my my one of my dreams is to make space flight available for everyone and the experience of space flight available to everyone. And people get it. I mean, sure. you know, uh, it's the first thing to be able to talk to somebody via a letter. And then the second thing was maybe to make a telephone call. And that's always a lot of fun. You know, what time is it there when you're talking, you know, to somebody across the world? Yeah. And then now with, with uh, video chats, it's fantastic for me, you and me to be able to talk and we can do that around the world. Yeah. This is kind of the next step, right? To be able to actually be there sure, with the other sure. person wherever they are. And that's where I really want to have people experience space flight. And, you know, I've never been to space, of course. I'd love to go. Um, but this is a way we all can go. We can bring ourselves to those locations as well as bring people from space and interact with them. And I tell you, you got to experience it. It is just something out of this world. It really is. That is amazing. I remember in back in the 90s, um, they came out with like a little quick time tour of the Enterprise, the bridge of the next generation. You could go 360. And I thought that was cool. And now look where we are. <laughs> I agree with you 100%. And, the, uh, and people get it. Uh, I'll share a story real quick as... You know, I uh, was when we we did this in October of 2021, and I didn't get the pictures down until March. And actually, P, the public affairs office and I rewrote a joint statement. And we put it out there, and that's where everybody saw this. Um, and the, I did the Star Trek, you know, uh, live long and prosper Vulcan greeting for a reason. Yeah, it was you know to really lay homage to all of our Star Trek fans and to actually you know make a connection. And I'll share with you, I was in Japan visiting relatives there, my in-laws, and my brother-in-law came in uh, and he said, in Japanese, he says, hey, Joe, uh, I heard on the radio about this hologram in, at NASA, and it's really cool. It feels like the future. And he knew, and I know you work at NASA. Do you know those guys? <laughs> so, <laughs> he was so excited to know that it was our team that did that. And, you know, it it really resonated the whole Star Trek theme of, of 
making the connection to space and people really think, you know, NASA's space and we are, we're doing, we were making the future possible and really following the footsteps of the science fiction writers, right? Yeah. And Star Trek and the whole community. So people who know Star Trek really got this, you know, they really in instantly understood it. I know I did. And I know you do too. Absolutely. As, as soon as I heard about it, it was like, oh yeah. Okay. We're, we're already in the 23rd century, 24th century. <laughs> exactly right. So you can't manipulate anything when you're up there. Obviously you can only view things. You can't like manipulate tools. So what are you looking for when you're, when you're talking to and looking for these astronauts, what kinds of problems are you looking for or, or what are you trying to do, accomplish? Yes, uh, actually that's one of our uh, next steps is to manipulate things. And I'll tell you how we're gonna do. Yes, that's yes, what we're gonna please. try to do. <laughs> yes, that's what we're gonna try to do. So the idea is that you can take an image of the scene and overlay on that scene the uh, like a green screen over the devices. So you can actually put it on top of a, uh, a lever or you can put it on top of a switch. And so the idea is that I will be able to interact with that avionics box remotely such that I can reach out and indicate which switch I want thrown and which lever I want thrown. And there, be, there may be three ways that that can actually execute. So a person on board can see that and they can say, yeah, this is the right switch I want to throw and they'll throw it. Uh -huh. A robot can do that. So we're going to have Robonaut or something else do that and move it. And then the third way would be to be, you know, use it as a remote, um, remote actuator like you're doing uh, anything else remotely. You can throw a lever or you can push a button and have it actually do it. So I won't be able to specifically reach out unless I use one of those two, either the person or the robot, but I sure. can also reach out electronically. That's one of the future things uh, to use that and also to use haptics. And we'll talk about haptics in a second. Yeah. But yeah, what the, the good use for a physician or a NASA flight surgeon is to actually interact with that person. So number one, they recognize me because they know me from the, on the ground and our training and how I've taken care of the crew members. And then the crew member can have an interaction. So I can, if they're having an issue with a skin issue, I can actually look at it, see it. If I have haptics, I can reach out and feel it, uh, you know, from the image. And that image can then give me sensation in, in any haptics glove. And I can actually feel the lump or bump and, uh, and be able to, you know, manipulate or to feel the bone itself. That's what we're, we're trying to, to think of a way to do that. And then to make that human connection again, that they trust who they're working with. And I can see their reactions, not only like you and I would do on a video, but I can actually move around and see their facial reactions in three dimensions and, and, uh, and put each other at ease that, you know, we're actually are talking and we are in telepresence actually. And we're holographically, uh, teleporting to each other that's the effect that i want to have that's incredible <laughs> it, it is it really and, and is think, it really is and to think hey we the other crazy things we want to add in a hollow deck just like star trek where you know we just surround ourselves with that augmented reality and it just becomes second nature and i'll throw another one to you too the long-term thing is i want to be able to do that on the way to the moon and Mars, 
and there's going to be a significant time delay. So on the way to Mars, there'll be an eight to 20 minute delay just because of the speed of sound and radio. Sure. Yeah. So our idea is that, and we're not alone, but our idea of our little group is we want to put a hollow ported position out there. And it's, it's got to be, you know, have all the same algorithms that your hollow, hollow physician Joe has. Sure. And it's got to have similar judgment and similar procedures. And it's got to look like me, right? And it's got to <laughs> report back to me <laughs> so that, you know, it'll send me data along the way. But that astronaut's going to be interacting with the hollow Joe that's out there. And, it, and they'll be able to do, for the, at least the first eight minutes, they'll be able to help with the diagnosis, you know? And it'll be me acting remotely. So that's kind of the crazy ideas we're having that's about how to cool. do that over distances and time. It's so funny. I got to tell you, I talked to Robert Picardo last week who played wow. the doctor on Voyager and he told me that it should look like him. So, <laughs> so you know, difference of opinion. <laughs> well, and he was so kind to us. Uh, he saw this holoportation and he, he said, hey, you guys are doing a great job and just think you need to, you need to holoport me rather than William Shatner because, you know, it'll be a lot cheaper that way. <laughs> So he was, he, uh, you know, he's our, uh, he's our model in science fiction of, of uh, he and Bones McCoy, you know, those are yeah. the, our predecessors in the future, if there's a way to say that. And so he was so very kind to recognize us in our effort in a tweet. And that's really fun that you got to talk with him. You know, you've talked about the future, you've talked about how you got into it. Um, what have I, what haven't I asked? What, what other things are there to know about the project? Uh, we did it with very little money. I can tell you that. And, uh, <laughs> which is fun because, you know, just encouraging your readers out there to really stretch. I got the, the number one, I had the permission of my bosses and my bosses trust. And they said, yeah, Joe, go do what you need to do and try to figure it out. And so that was first is getting permission from my bosses. And the second thing that made us successful was, that we went to each of the groups and, you know, the network guys and gals, the HoloLens people, the, um, the astronauts themselves, the mission people. And we said, hey, this is what we're thinking of doing. And those that really it resonated with, because they all love Star Trek, they're like, yeah, we want to do this. We want to be part of it. And I said, okay, let's be part of it. And I, we together, we found out what they also wanted to advance. And so the network guys wanted to increase their speed. The HoloLens people wanted to increase the utility of using HoloLens on board. The biomedical engineers wanted to be part of it because they know we, we want to interact with our astronauts and using equipment. And the, um, the mission managers wanted us to use this as well. So it was kind of a coalition of the willing. We got everybody together and everybody advanced their, their, uh, their interests. And that's the, fun, the second fun part of this. And the third part of it was, again, using the Star Trek. It was my brother-in-law Robert Stoker, I'll just mention him, give him a shout out. He was the one that, and I said, hey, uh, some of my family, hey, I want to do a, a cranial nerve exam in orbit, which is one of the demonstrations. And, and one of the portions of the cranial nerves is you hold up your fingers and you say, hey, to test their visual fields, how many, how many fingers am I holding up? And Robert Stoker goes, how about this? <laughs> how about this, Joe? And I said, yeah, that's perfect. And so he was the originator of how many fingers you want to hold up. And that's, <laughs> that just happened to be the Vulcan dream. So, you know, another Star Trek fan who came through with a great idea. So it doesn't matter where you're at or what you're doing. 
together we can really recreate Star Trek or create Star Trek. And yeah, that's our, that's what we're trying to do. Everybody who loves Star Trek, we're trying to create it. So, you know, holoportation, the hollow deck, I'd love to get a tricorder, you know, <laughs> I'd love to get some computer uh, augmented reality data. You know, I want to bring yeah. data on there. I need sure. a robot or two. I mean, <laughs> we're, you know, it's just a lot of fun to, to, and I say, make science fiction, science reality, you know, <laughs> but I can't thank you enough, Rick, for putting this information out to the daily Star Trek and uh, uh, mailing list and all the folks that are part of it. We're always taking great ideas and, and keep communicating with, with NASA because together we really can create the future. Absolutely. And I, let's do this again. I'm sure there are going to be other breakthroughs that we can talk about at some point. Thank you so much for joining me today, uh, Dr. Schmidt. It has been an absolute honor. Thank you, Rick. It's been wonderful for me, too. And I hope to bring you some crazy experiences in the near future, too, with haptics. And, and I'm looking uh, forward to it. Whenever, whenever, just, you know, call me up and I'll, I'll be there. We can, we can talk about them. You got a deal. I'll All talk right. to you soon. All right, great. Well, thanks so much. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. We'll see you soon. <laughs>